Dear Lord, we thank you again for another opportunity to come together to hear your truth, to hear what your word has to say, to know that even in this season, your word is still real and it's still alive, powerful, and that everything it said it will do will not return to you. Thank you for sending your angels as an encampment all around us, keeping us from dangers known and unknown. We thank you for allowing your Holy Spirit to help us navigate truth from falsehood. Help us be able to see what is real and where we should spend our time, our thoughts, our energy. We thank you for all those who are coming to know you through your word, through the absolute and undisputed infallible truth. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I want to ask you guys a question. And I think it's one of the most important, if not the most important question one could ask themselves. And the question is, are you chosen? Has God chosen you? And the answer to this question will ultimately determine if you will spend eternity with God or be cast from him forever. Because if you are not chosen, then God will not allow you to be with him. Now, I know that's probably one of the most uh, challenging statements that you hear. And the reason being is because it doesn't really fit the narrative. Because today, a lot of people who say they are Christians and attend church will basically say that they are chosen. And if you ask them why they consider themselves Christians, most cannot give you a definitive answer. They'll say, well, it's because I go to uh, this particular church and it's a Christian church, or it's because my mother was a Christian and I was raised in it, or it's even because I went down to the altar and I said that, that prayer, that sinner's prayer, and now I'm a Christian, so I'm chosen by God, and one day I'll be saved. But the truth is, this has nothing to do with actually being chosen. These are just ideas that has been brought forth to people throughout the decades by the enemy to get them to think that they are something that they're really not. And we're going to look at one of the most clear descriptions that Jesus gives about who's actually chosen. You know, and it's important to look at what Christ is saying here, because when you get into the word of God, there are so many different things people have used over the years to say, well, you know, maybe that wasn't what Jesus really meant. Or maybe that's what, you know, he, there's a different understanding from Paul. Or maybe you have a perspective that isn't consistent with what I believe. But Jesus taught several parables about what heaven will look like. There, I believe, was about seven parables where he speaks of the kingdom of heaven shall be like. And we're going to look at one of the most famous parables out there, and it's the wedding banquet, which is found in Matthew 22, starting at verse 1. And it talks about where Jesus told a parable and said, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. And they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited 
See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed and all things are ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light and went their ways. One to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized the servants, treated them spitefully and killed them. But when the king heard about this, he was furious and he sent out his armies, destroy those murderers and burn up their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. In verse nine, therefore go into the highways and as many as you find invite to the wedding. So the servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Now look at this description here. They were initially people who were invited to come. There were those who were called by God. He just didn't initially send out invitations to anyone. He sent out invitations specifically to people he knew. And he said, come to the wedding banquet and celebrate with me. Come enjoy this time of celebration for my son. But people were more concerned about other things. They were more concerned about their own farms or houses and some of their businesses. They took light of the invitation. And then, of course, you had these people, which whom I deal with a lot of today, they, they are spiteful. They're upset. When you come out and bring the king's truth, just as these servants. These servants went out and told uh, the other people that, hey, there's an invitation. Come. You know, you have to come to this wedding banquet and enjoy time with the king. And though they knew the king, they didn't want to hear what the king had to say. When I share a lot of what God has said in his word today, you know, about repentance and doing the right thing and spending eternity with God, and people get upset. They get uh, very angry. I, I actually was booted off of LinkedIn, one of the social media platforms here just the other day, because I shared uh, some of the scriptures that relates specifically to what a male and a female is and what marriage looks like in God's eyes. And apparently those were violations. People were upset. And these are the same people who say they know the king. They are Christians. But because of the hardening of their hearts, they did things and they went places and went in directions that was not according to what the king wanted. And he went out and destroyed everything. But here's something you also have to look at, too. Because everybody who shows up isn't necessarily going to be in the wedding banquet. When you look at verse 11, it says, But when the king came to see the guests, he saw that a man was there who did not have on a wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. In verse 13, then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and feet. Take him away and cast him into the utter darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There was this person who got in, who showed up. They knew about a wedding that was going on. They heard about the invitation. But when they came, they weren't dressed. They weren't prepared. They weren't ready to celebrate 
with the king for his son during this marriage. And because they weren't prepared, they were cast out. They were taken out of the presence of the king. For there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So here's the thing. Everybody that says they believe and everybody who shows up isn't necessarily going to get in. They're not going to stay in. See, this thing called faith, walking with God, being his child, it actually requires action. It requires us to do things that doesn't fit the narrative of society. This false idea that Satan has put out there that all you have to do is say Jesus and you're good to go, that is one of the biggest misconceptions in a lot of these church institutions. Because here's the thing, this guy shows up to the wedding banquet knowing about the invitation, but he wasn't prepared to be in the presence of the king and the rest of the people at the banquet. And the king didn't even, you know, he asked him a question and he couldn't even respond. He didn't give him a bunch of time to try to answer. He said, this is a wedding banquet. It's time to celebrate now. And because he was not ready, he got rid of him. This walk with God is, is an action walk. It's not just what I believe. This is the enemy's trick that he has played on the lives of many people. And a big part of it is because we don't take the time to read the Bible for ourselves. We don't take the time to be obedient and do what God has called us to do. Where it says, study to show yourself approved unto God. We go into these institutions. A lot of us have been raised in these institutions and believe that because we have these, this simple little check off that I said Jesus and I said the sinner's prayer, that when that time comes, that celebration comes, I'll be welcome in. Big mistake, big misunderstanding. You have to put on the garments. You have to be dressed. You have to be ready. Many people have been led astray. And when you look at the very next verse, 14, one of the most famous verses you've heard for years, constantly repeated. It says, for many are called, but few are chosen. The call goes out to many. The call goes out to a wide variety of people. First, it was those who were called because of their heritage. They knew the king. When you look back at the time before Jesus Christ walked the earth, there was an old covenant. And that old covenant was only for the house of Israel, God's original people. It wasn't for everybody. And even in that house, there were certain people who he picked to rise above the others to do greater things. Like Ezekiel, he picked him to be a prophet. And Ezekiel was called to speak to the Israelites in their time of rebellion. And then you look at Moses, how he was picked to go and free the Israelites from Egypt. And then you even have Joseph, where Joseph, though he was hated by his brothers, sold into slavery, you know, lied on by Potter's for his wife and sent to prison. God turned his situation around to where he ended up not only saving Egypt from a seven-year famine, but the family members uh, who tried to destroy him. 
So there are those who obviously are getting called out of the, the, the original people of God, there's his original children, but that was in that sense only for that time before Christ came. But when Jesus showed up, when he came to the scene and he performed the, the greatest act known to man, which was coming back from the dead after being in the grave and during the cross, he opened up the door for everyone to be able to receive the invitation to come into the wedding banquet. Everyone now has the opportunity. But though you receive the invitation, you are called. Doesn't mean you're chosen. Even if you show up, you got to look at how Jesus breaks this parable down. He said he went after the original people who already knew the king and they had a hardened hearts. They wanted to do their own thing. And you had those who decided that they were just beyond heart and heart. They were completely evil and decided they wanted to kill the servants because they didn't want to hear what the king had to say. So obviously these people didn't get in. And then you have the individual who got the invitation, showed up, but wasn't dressed. And he was cast out. So though we receive this call out, come to the wedding banquet, enjoy the feast for my son. Let's celebrate this marriage. If you're not dressed, you're going to get the boot. There's no way around it. There's no way to try to change it, to manipulate it, you know, give a different perspective on it. This walk requires us to prepare. Notice that the king did not send out any uh, outfits for anybody. He didn't dress a single person. They had to make a decision. They had to choose to be clothed. Everyone else knew, just like the one guy who got cast out, that it was a wedding banquet. So they took the time to go pick out their outfit. They went and got their dresses and their, their suits or their garments. And they put them on. They clothed themselves so that they would be able to spend time with the king and celebrate. What is the garments? That's important to look at. What does it mean to actually be dressed for the wedding? Well, again, there are several scriptures that negate this idea about all you have to do is just say Jesus or show up and you got your ticket. When you look at the ministry of Christ, he explains these parables of what the kingdom of heaven shall be like. And when he describes them, there's always two things that happen. One, there were those who received joy, unmeasurable joy they received when they were into the presence of the king or the master or the bridegroom. And then there were those who received torment, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And what separated the two were simply actions that were taken. That was it. You look at the story of the 10 virgins. Five were wise and five were unwise. Five of those virgins had enough oil to burn through the night so that they wouldn't miss the opportunity to see the bridegroom arrive. The other five were not wise. They didn't bring enough oil. They wanted oil from the wise ones and they said, no, go out to the market and get some. 
So they went to the market, and when they came back, it was too late. The door was closed. They tried to get in, and they got no access. This faith requires us to put on the garment, and the garment is Christ Jesus. It's not just saying you believe in him, because if that was the case, there would have never been parables about actions that people had to take. Nowhere in these parables, when it reflects the kingdom of heaven, is he talking about some got in because they simply believed. They believed, but their actions reflected what they believed. In Revelation 3, 5, I make this one of the most prime scriptures in your ministry, in your faith, in your life, in your walk. Revelation 3, 5. Christ, after he ascended to the throne, he have already accomplished the cross, already defeated hell, death, and the grave, got the keys to hell and the grave and have all power in his hands. He tells John this. He said, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Here's what you have to realize. To overcome means to continue to walk, continue to do, continue to have a heart for God and not for the things of this world. When we say things or we getting ready to say things or do stuff that we shouldn't do, there's a conviction that takes place in those who have been born again. The Holy Spirit convicts us. But even in that conviction, we still have to take actions that reflect that we understand the conviction that we received. This is why Jesus said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now, this is Christ. This isn't John or Paul or Peter talking. This is the Messiah, the one who is coming back to save those, to, to bring those into the wedding banquet. He said, he who overcomes, he who endures to the end, to the end of your life. And enduring is enduring your cross, picking up your cross, carrying it daily. It's not enough to just say John 3.16, that I believe and now my name is in the book of life. Absolutely. This is talked about in Jesus' ministry as Paul, that when you have declared that Jesus is Lord and Savior, you've been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Guess what? You've been called now. You're called. But to be chosen is to walk by faith. It says, the just shall live by faith. It didn't say the just have faith. It said the just shall live by faith. And when we do this, we are clothed in the white garments, the garments of Christ. We are prepared for the wedding banquet. And when that time comes for us to stand in front of the king, he will confess our name before the father and before his angels. And we need that confession because the Father is the one who is going to carry out the sentence of those who showed up to the wedding banquet and didn't have on the garments. And the angels are the ones who are going to make sure that sentence is fulfilled. They're going to tie up 
people hand and foot and cast them out in the utter darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So yes, don't believe the, the misunderstanding or the hype or confusion that the enemy put out there that all I have to do is say Jesus and I can live as I choose. I don't have to follow the king. I don't have to show up for the wedding banquet. I know he's a king. I saw the invitation. But you know what? I'd rather tend to my farm. I'd rather tend to my business. I'd rather take care of things that I feel like is more important because in the day, you know, isn't that what life's about? Enjoying life and just living and being free, doing the best things that you want to do, doing epic stuff, right? Isn't that life? But the life, the true life, is when the invitation goes out, the call goes out. We accept the call and we walk as the chosen. It's important to understand this because many people today have got the wrong idea of what it means to be chosen. It is the chosen who will spend eternity with God, not the called. Not the call. Go back and look at the parable of the wedding banquet. Many got the call. All the original people who knew the king got the call. And then he, the call goes out to every single body they can find. Anyone they can find standing around, good or bad. That's the, the beautiful part about it. Good or bad. He didn't say, well, you know, wait till these people that are bad start being good before you give them the call. No, he said, go get anybody. The people who are living wrong and the people who are living righteous. And when you receive that call, he didn't say that you needed to do a background check. He didn't say you had to meet any off-the-wall criteria. He said simply get dressed in the garments for that specific occasion and show up. Now, here's the thing. The king had a wedding banquet, and weddings happen at a certain time. They just don't happen, you know, you just don't throw out a random time schedule. There's a certain time the banquet is set, and they're expecting to go through the ceremonies for the, the wedding. They not only had to be dressed in the garments, the wedding garment, they also had to be on time. The king wasn't waiting around to see if people were going to decide if they wanted to show up when they felt like showing up. This is why people have, have unfortunately received this unfortunate lie that, you know what, I'm going to come to God when I'm ready. I'm not ready right now. I mean, the king will have it no other way. That's why he gives you free will. But understand this, you waiting to be ready, you might miss the, the banquet. You heard the invitation, now you want to wait. He never asked you to get ready, to change from being good, from, to change from being bad to good. He said, get dressed, get in his will, and show up. And it's such an amazing thing when you get around people that are doing the things the king wants done. And you may not be living righteous. You may not be in right standing, walking according to the faith. But here's the thing. That stuff rubs off on you. If you've ever been to any type of uh, 
wedding banquet or any type of very uh, prestige gathering, you can look around and see how people walk and carry themselves a certain way. And even if it's your first time, initially you'll look over and you'll see the how people are, are talking, how they're walking, how they're acting. And, and it makes you want to dust yourself off and straighten up your collar and hold your head up a little bit because you want to fit in with the crowd. I remember when I, out of nowhere, got an invitation to go to a Medal of Honor ceremony. I think it was 2000 and nine, I believe it was, 2010. And they said they needed someone to go down just to be an uh, extra help to get uh, people on the stage uh, to receive awards or to do different type of talks and things like that. So I said, yeah, I'll take it. Uh, I'll definitely like to go. I've never been to one before. And I went and I had to wear my uh, Class A Army uniform, which is pretty much a, our dress uniform. And when I was there, it was my first time being around a setting of people, military-wise, that were all dressed in their most sharpest uniform. And there were all kind of movie stars there and, you know, political figures. And even though I felt I was squared away, thought I was looking point, I still kept checking myself. I still kept looking down, making sure I didn't have any lint or any type of crumbs or anything on me. I kept kept making sure that I fit in the environment. That's what happens when you get into the wedding banquet. You start looking around and you say, well, you know what? I got to make sure I'm on point. I'm doing what the king wants to be done. If, if he's holding a show like this, I don't want to be the one to get pointed out or, or looked at a certain way that doesn't reflect because I don't reflect what the king wants. It's important to know that who we associate with can have an impact on how we walk. And this will affect us as being the called who decided to also be chosen. And we also need to realize this amazing thing as well, is that the king had an army and he had servants at this banquet. And the reason being, not just so that he can go out and destroy uh, the cities of those who uh, killed his servants, but for the protection of the wedding banquet. Everybody that got into that banquet, that got in, got in to spend time with the king and his son, they were under the best protection in town. Nobody was just going to go up in there and do anything crazy. And nobody can just go in there and say and act the way they wanted to. And that's shown right there in the parable when the man was booted out because he wasn't even dressed. If you're not dressed for the occasion and the king kicks you out, better believe you ain't going to come in there and start no mess. The divine protection, divine favor. When we have chosen to be chosen, we receive this. You know, I remember when I used to work for the federal prison system. I was one of the most hated staff members there, mostly by the other staff who worked there, because I believe that I was sent there by God for a purpose. I had no clue that I'd be working in a prison, no clue whatsoever. 
because uh, I never thought that was something I would be interested in even doing. And it wasn't until I received a dream while I was in prison looking at a wrongful 25-year prison sentence of me working in a prison that I knew that something was getting ready to change and I was going to end up working in a prison. And when I was there doing what I was called to do, not just being fair, firm, and consistent as our job requires us, but also sharing the gospel, encouraging inmates and staff members, telling them that because they're still alive, you still have a chance to turn your life around. You could be a living testimony even in prison. You look at Paul's life, wrongfully arrested, serving time because he wouldn't renounce his faith. But God used him in prison to write most of the New Testament scripture. And because of this, the enemy was coming at me in all kind of ways, trying to destroy me left and right. And when I transferred to another prison system, I got a call one day from a supervisor that said, don't come in to work. And I asked him why, and he said, well, there was a hit out on your life at the prison you came from, and we want to make sure everything is good to go before you come back in here. And what they found out was because of my hard work and diligence, doing what I was called to do, staying humble, but I also disrupted a lot of criminal activity, they had this one inmate, uh, gave him the order to take my life, but he refused. And the way they found out was that he got transferred to a supermax prison and he ended up getting beat up very badly because he refused to do what uh, he was ordered to do. That's divine protection. That's when you're walking as the chosen, doing what you're called to do. You're in the, the garments of Christ. He's not going to let just anything happen to you because you're in the presence of the king. And being in the presence of the king as we speak in this time and season is being obedient, being in the will of God and not our own will, doing what God has called us to do. So ask yourself, are you chosen? I'm sure that we can answer the question yes if we're asked or we're called because everyone gets the call or at least many but only those who have decided to be chosen will spend eternity with God. They will celebrate the wedding banquet. That's a very, very important question we must ask ourselves, especially in this season of mass deception. There are churches all over America and throughout the world filled with people who say they believe in Jesus. They receive the invitation they are trying to come into or have already entered into the wedding banquet. But if you're not dressed in the garments of Christ, that is his obedient will, overcoming a heart for this world, a heart for your things that you seem to enjoy most. And it could be anything. 
It could be family. It could be that business that you work so hard to obtain. If you're not prepared for the wedding banquet, meaning your heart is not set on God and his things, the things that are more important to him, then you could be very well called, invited, but not chosen. So I want to encourage you all to go back and look at not just the parable of the wedding banquet, but all the other parables that Jesus spoke of, that he talked about, where there were obedient and disobedient people, people who knew the master was coming back. They knew a wedding banquet was going on. They knew the bridegroom was coming. And because of disobedience, because of ignorance, foolishness, selfishness, self-will, they didn't get in. It's not enough. I want to emphasize this very, very strongly. It's not enough just to say Jesus. And it's not enough just to show up. If you believe that, then you are unfortunately in trouble. Can you say Jesus Christ and be saved? Of course you can. Jesus tells this parable. Jesus talks about how he was on the cross. And next to him on the cross was a man who was pinned there, sentenced to death because he was a criminal. But in his final hour, he confessed who Jesus Christ is. And that got him into eternity with Christ. But don't take the man on the cross next to Jesus as a story that can relate to you. Because everyone's not in that situation. That's just one of the examples of how in your final hour you can still confess Jesus. You can still receive salvation and not be cast into eternal contempt. So we need to understand this. And everybody's going to be judged according to the work they did, based on what they knew. And the work is not showing up only. It's actually being dressed, being ready. And it's not church service. Understand that now. It is not church service. Nowhere in the scriptures do you find people showing up to hear Christ speak or any other apostles. And that was their ticket into heaven. He said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Those who do his will, the Father's will, those are the ones who are going into heaven. Those are the chosen. You won't know to say, Lord, Lord, if you had not received the invitation. You need to do what the Lord is saying. If you want to remain in the wedding banquet. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word, for your will, for your way. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for keeping us. Thank you for leaving us with examples of what heaven will be like. So when we hear others preach or teach, we have a reference point that we can go to to validate all that is said. We thank you for blessing us. We thank you for shining down on us. We thank you for sending your encampment all around us 
sending those angels to stop dangers seen and unseen. We thank you for what you did on the cross, opening up the door so all of us can have access into the wedding banquet by putting on your garments and being obedient. We give you the glory and the honor. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.